Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Jesus honored this man's faith, and he restored his sight but only after he asked. And after Jesus did this supernatural work in his life, Bartimaeus, he left everything else behind. It says that he then began to follow Jesus in such a way that the world around him noticed. Luke tells us immediately upon receiving his sight, he followed Jesus, glorifying God and all the people when they saw that, when they saw in Bartimaeus' life that his life had changed, all the people around him began to give praise to God. The Jews had a very hard time understanding who Jesus was. However, Pastor David will teach the story of a blind man who, although he could not see, declared Jesus as the son of David. Bartimaeus exhibited a great deal of faith, not in secret, but out in the open for all to hear. He believed Jesus could do the impossible for him. His boldness spoke highly of his testimony of transformation. Do we know or do we truly believe what Jesus is really capable of doing in our lives? What is our level of faith today? Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message entitled, Close Encounters of the Divine Kind. Well, this morning I'm going to actually kind of uh, put myself on the line and throw out my age this morning. It was way, way back in the 1900s, uh, actually 1977, when uh, Steven Spielberg came out with a movie, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. I'd ask how many of you are familiar with that movie, but you'd probably be telling your own age at that point in time. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss, along with others that uh, starred in that movie, and again, the movie was about UFOs that came and they tried to make contact with the Earth, and in the process of their making contact with the Earth, human lives were were changed in a variety of different ways, Uh, some of them for the better, some of them for the worse. And in the final scenes of that movie, again, if you remember, the... uh, They're playing uh, this massive organ, these certain tones, and kind of trying to make a communication with the mothership. The mothership comes down, this massive ship. And at the final scene, Richard Dreyfuss goes into that mothership, never to be seen again. Maybe for better, maybe for worse, we don't know. Depends upon if you're a Dreyfus fan. But this morning, I'm not really here to talk about some fictional encounter uh, with aliens. What I want to talk about this morning is two particular close encounters of a divine kind. Not of a third kind, but of a divine kind. One of those encounters was with a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. The other one was with a sinful tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Both of them encountered Jesus in just the normal passage of just a normal day in their lives. Both of these men were changed for the better, actually an eternal better within their lives. But again, 
we'll see that not everyone was really pleased with that encounter, either with the encounter or the consequences of the encounter. Before we get to the event, though, of these two men's lives being changed, I want to look at another situation that happened just prior to this as Jesus ministers to his disciples as he's traveling during the course of his earthly ministry. During previous conversations that Jesus had with his 12 disciples, he had explained to them on multiple times that on his trip to Jerusalem, there's going to be a lot of events happening that they would not understand. That again, it would end up with his being arrested, being put on trial, and finally crucified. But he continually told them, but don't worry, on the third day, I'll rise again. So once again, we see him at this trip, coming again to the boys and saying, guys, when we get to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. We're in Luke chapter 18. I invite you to look there with me. We're down in verse 31, Luke 18, verse 31. And when he, Jesus, took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. Can you believe that? Once again, he's explaining to them point by point by point and they still don't get it. They continued to miss the fact. He says that when he comes to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested. Then he was going to be mocked. He was going to be insulted. He was going to be spit upon. They were going to scourge him. Then they would kill him. But then he gives them once again that promise that he would raise again on the third day. And yet they, they just could not comprehend that at all. And you think, how can you guys miss that when he lays it out so plain, so point by point by point? And yet I think uh, parents can understand how that is when you deal with your children. I think that's pretty much what was going on with these disciples. They had one thing in mind while Jesus was saying what was going to happen, and they never released what they thought would happen in order to receive what Jesus said truly was going to happen. Well, this time, he actually goes into even deeper detail. He says that he's going to be delivered to the Gentiles. He had told them on several occasions that, uh, again, he'd be delivered to the elders and to the chief priests and to the scribes, but this is actually the first time, the first instance of bringing the Gentiles into the picture. One of the things that we know of in our culture, that for generations, that literally for centuries, the Jews have been hated and slandered. They've been called the Christ killers. And you've probably heard that describing Jews somewhere in your life along the way. But the fact is, is if you really know, if you really understand what scriptures speak to us about, we understand that it's not a Jewish thing. It's not even a Roman thing. The fact is, the death of Christ came about because all humanity had sinned. And because of the sinfulness of man, Christ died. But even more than that, Jesus was crucified because God the Father purposed and planned to send him to die for all humanity. That was in the mind of the Father 
even before we were created, before the very foundations of the earth, God already had a plan, a purpose in mind in order that whoever believes in him, believes in Christ, would not die, but have everlasting life. So whether it's Gentile or Jew, no matter the nationality, no matter the ethnicity, all are lost outside of Christ. All need a Savior. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that it actually pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. How strange that sounds, but the Lord knew what needed to be done. He knew what needed to be done to obtain salvation for humanity. Isaiah tells us that it was the plan and it was the purpose of God that his righteous servant should justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It goes on in Isaiah 53 to explain to us that Jesus poured out his soul unto death, that again, Jesus was numbered with the transgressors that Jesus bore the sin of many, making intercession for the transgressors in order that whoever would call upon his name would be saved. So here on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus is once again trying to explain this to the 12 in order that they might fully, fully, and completely understand that all things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. The problem is they still didn't understand it even after the resurrection. It was only once the Holy Spirit came and revealed these things to them that they suddenly realized, wow, now we know, now we understand all that's been taking place. They understood that that prophetic message in reference to the suffering and the death of Christ was being fulfilled before their very eyes, even while they missed it. On their way to Jerusalem, they had come from the northern part of Galilee, they would have traveled down the Jordan River area, and as they got down fairly close to the Dead Sea, they would have then headed from the Jordan River Valley up the mountain as they ascended up into Jerusalem, up the backside of the mountains there as they headed into Jerusalem. One of the first cities that they would have come onto would have been Jericho. And yes, there was a Jericho even during that time. Even though Joshua and the armies of Israel had destroyed Jericho back in the day of uh, coming into the Promised Land, there was another Jericho that was built actually during the time of Herod, about a mile from the rubble of the original Jericho. Verse 35 tells us what happened then. In verse 35, we continue on. Then it happened, as Jesus was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Luke tells us that coming near Jericho, this certain blind man sat on the road begging. This appears to be kind of a contradiction. In Matthew, Matthew actually tells us that there are two blind men. Mark and Luke refer to one. The best understanding that we have is though there might have been two blind men there, this one man, this Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, according to Mark's account, seems to be the vocal one. He seems to be the spokesman for the two. 
Well, whatever the case, the one that's curious about all of this noise is this one, Bartimaeus. As, as the crowd comes along, as Jesus and the entourage that was following him passed by, the noise that they were making, Bartimaeus asked, what's going on? And the people around him told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. But at the mention of Jesus of Nazareth, this blind man has a realization, really, of more of the fullness of who Jesus is. Bartimaeus doesn't cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. No, he actually uses a messianic title to address Jesus. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Isn't it an important factor to consider to understand here? Though everyone there knew him as Jesus of Nazareth, this blind man seemed to have better vision of who Christ was than all those who had 20-20 vision. He understood, no, this is more than just a man here. He used a messianic title. And again, the messianic title declaring, proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the son of David. And again, we see the multitudes all around him. They try to silence him, but the word says that he cried out even more, son of David, have mercy on me. What a, what a strong testimony of faith that is for that man. Others tried to silence his cry, and his declaration to them was, no, I'm going to cry out more. And as a matter of fact, he cried out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's the kind of guy you can't ignore. Have you ever been that, in that situation? Somebody making so much noise, it's trying to get your attention, you're not going to be able to ignore him. Well, God had already planned, I believe, that for this man, Bartimaeus, that on that day, at that time, on that road, he was going to have a close encounter of a divine kind. You need to realize, how many days had Bartimaeus been on that road begging? How many day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month after month, perhaps year after year after year, Bartimaeus sitting on that roadside begging for whatever he could get from the passerbyers. But God on that particular day had an encounter that Bartimaeus was going to meet the son of David, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the very hope of Israel. Again, we, we look at this and everybody was telling him, stay quiet, stay quiet. For you and I right now, there's a lot of voices in our world. There's a lot of voices in our world that don't want to hear the Christian message. We've got a great opportunity, as we shared earlier, to be able to go and pray for the schools right there on the school grounds, right in front of the schools, to be able to pray and to be able to proclaim the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Not in an obnoxious way, not in a way that's going to come and be an in-your-face kind of a thing, but in the gentleness of just simply proclaiming our faith, our trust in Christ, and the hope that is there for those there in the school. We have the opportunity to be able to go down to Louisiana in a couple of weeks and Proclaim the hope that's found in Jesus Christ to those that are still stuck literally in the muck and the mire. The muck and the mire of the flood, but many of those still stuck in the muck and the mire of sin in their life. And we can go and we can be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece, the spokesman of Christ in that place. 
There's a lot in this world that don't want to hear it. They warn us that, that we should be quiet. Well, we need to be crying out even more. We need to be the ones that cry out that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is not only the hope of Israel, but he is the hope of the world. He is the only way of salvation that's made available to man, and all mankind needs a close encounter of the divine kind. There's no one... There's no one that's left out of that need. All mankind needs that close encounter of the divine kind. And Bartimaeus cried out, and it got the attention of Jesus. Look there in verse 40. In verse 40, we read, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. I read this and I think, Jesus, well, that's kind of a dumb question. You got a blind guy coming to you. Lord, have mercy on me. Well, surely he needed his sight to be recovered. But think about this for a moment. If this man thought that Jesus was just a man, what can I do for you? Hey, how about some alms? How about, how about some money so I could get some dinner tonight? All day long, that's what his place was, to sit on that roadside, hopefully to collect enough money so that that evening he could go buy enough food for that day in order that tomorrow he would have the strength to go back out and sit on the street to beg for enough money to be able to go home, to get enough food, to be able to have the strength so that the next day he could go out again. And that's what his life was day after day after day. But Bartimaeus saw in Jesus not just somebody that's going to give him a free meal, but Bartimaeus saw in Jesus someone who had the power and the authority to be able to restore his sight. What do you want me to do for you? That was a question that really put to test the faith of Bartimaeus. There's no doubt Jesus knew what Bartimaeus wanted, but he also wanted him to verbalize that need publicly. I want your neighbors to hear the faith that you have, Bartimaeus. I want your family to hear the faith that you're proclaiming in me, that you are asking me to restore your sight. This wasn't a private thing. This was done right out in the open for everyone to be able to hear. And Bartimaeus replied, Lord, that I might receive my sight. I believe that that's because Bartimaeus, even though he was blind physically, Spiritually, he understood the truth of what Isaiah the prophet declared about the coming Messiah, that the eyes of the blind would be opened, that the ears of the deaf would be unstopped, and that the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute would sing out. This man requested of Jesus something that was impossible to do. Impossible unless you're Jesus, the son of David the Messiah of Israel. Simply by his request, Bartimaeus here exhibited a great deal of faith. And listen to what happened, verse 42. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. And following him, Bartimaeus following Jesus, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. Let me ask you this morning. Let me put you really on the spot this morning. How much faith do you have in who Jesus Christ really and truly is? How much faith do you have in 
who he says he is and what he says he's able to do in your life and in the life of your loved ones. James tells us that a lot of times when we pray, we don't get what we pray for because either we don't ask specifically or we ask and we don't receive. Or we ask and we ask amiss that we might spend it upon our own pleasures. How much faith do you have? Do you have enough faith to ask? If Barnabas was lacking in faith, all he would have had to have done is like every other time in his life, ask Jesus for some financial assistance. But he had enough faith there in that point in time. Say, Lord, restore my sight. When Barnabas asked, he asked, and he asked in faith. And he asked, why? Because he believed. He really and truly believed in what he knew the son of David was capable of. He put the essence of his faith right out on the line by asking Jesus for his sight. Nothing less. I want my sight restored, Lord. And Jesus honored this man's faith, and he restored his sight, but only after he asked. And after Jesus did this supernatural work in his life, Bartimaeus, he left everything else behind. It says that he then began to follow Jesus in such a way that the world around him noticed. Luke tells us immediately upon receiving his sight, he followed Jesus, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw that, when they saw in Bartimaeus' life that his life had changed, all the people around him, began to give praise to God. Guys, I believe that the people not only saw the physical change in this man's life, but I believe that they also saw the fulfillment of this man's faith by God. This guy stepped out in faith, and God answered. And the boldness of your faith when you believe God for who God truly is, when you believe that when Christ said, listen, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you, when the hope and the promise that we know and that we have faith in, when you and I step out in faith and God answers those prayers, do you realize what a testimony that is for the rest of the world, for those that are of our family, those of our loved ones, those that know us? Man, this guy is living and walking by faith. This woman, man, I cannot believe the faith that she has. And yet Christ is honoring that faith in her life. Yes, I believe that we need to be the kind of people that walk in faith in order that the world around us might see not only that we are followers of Christ, but we are believers in Christ. We have the faith to believe that what his word declares is true. How about in your life? Do you live your life and are you walking in the fullness of faith? Is your life being lived fully and completely for the glory of Christ? Do the people that you know recognize that you have faith and that you are a follower of Jesus? Or do they just look at you and say, well, they're a nice guy. She's a nice lady. Do they know the reason for your niceness? Do they know that really and truly Christ is utmost in your life? Is he a part of your conversation? Is he a part of your encouragement to others to be able to say, well, you know, my friend, 
Years ago, I trusted Christ as my Savior. It hadn't been a rose garden all the time. But I do tell you this. He gives a foundation in my life. There is a solidness about my trust and my faith in Him. And I've seen Him work over and over and over. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.